Welcome to Converge Coffee. This is Sean Sullivan. I'm actually here with Eric Deckers, who is my co-host, as well as I'm sitting down with Tanyette Cologne. She is the head of partnerships with Overpass, a Brooklyn-based startup that gives high-growth companies one consistent source to find and onboard sales and support talent. She is also the founder of Infuse, an inbound lead conversation platform that humanizes the customer journey along with new clients from the first hello. Tanyette, thanks for being on the show. Eric, thanks for co-hosting with me today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Tanyette, um, this kind of a little backstory of how things kind of worked and just for the listeners here. So, Eric recommended I should join Lunch Club. And I was like, you know what? That same week, I joined Lunch Club. And you and I were the first connections on Lunch Club. And I just wanted to, like, give a shout out to Eric. And, and, and in the sense of how everything just kind of connects together, we're humans to connecting with humans, which is a beautiful thing. Love that. That's it's always been that, right? Now we just are bridging AI is bridging some of that now, which is kind of cool. There is a discrepancy. I've seen some content marketers in backlash in the sense of their little picket <laughs> signs saying, like, I don't think algorithms are going to change away the human Ill or human ability of everything. But you know, kind of starting out with you know human ability, products, customer experiences, humanization of things. I wanted to kind of, you know, dial in on, you know, you in the sense of, you know, why did you join Overpass? And then how did you come up with Infuse? Like there's there's several things that you're involved in and just wanted to see where your origin story started out with. So with Overpass, it was serendipitous. I was at this intersection where I had been with the company for over 17 years. So went through the whole experience of being consultant uh, number 10 for the company and saw the whole journey through from like, you know, startup to, you know, going public to hiring a CEO that almost nearly demolished the entire company in a year's time, came from a big, big other well-known company. And then having a renaissance period, a woman came in, turned it around, and then we were acquired by Gannett and the USA Today. So I learned quite a bit. It was like getting a master's in business there because they always had an open door policy and it, and, you know, we saw the whole cycle through there. Uh, and so I didn't want to go back to a traditional format because I knew I was going to be rebirthing infuse into market. And I had told a friend of mine, I would love to, you know, do some remote work with a company that I can share my magic with that's in alignment with, with what I believe in that has a good culture, a good team is, is doing some level of impact in a certain sector. And uh, she had told me about Overpass. So I put myself in as a contractor, coincidentally, and started getting these inquiries for, from some pretty cool uh, like SaaS companies. And then he found me, the actual founder, found me through there because they had an opening for, he owns an energy company as well as this, um, a solar energy company. So they pulled me in for a CMO position and it wasn't quite a fit, but then I started talking to him about potentially what they were doing with Overpass on the partnership. And, and then after that conversation, that's where the opportunity to build that out uh, actually uh, came forward. And I was excited about it because when we think about the future of work, I mean, that's what we're talking about now, right? How are, how are these future teams going to look like? I know there's a lot of, going back and forth that it has to be one way or the other. I don't believe it's one size uh, fits all. I also think 
gener there's generational aspects to that conversation as well. Remote work is not perfect for for certain generations if they've never had framework or have been through what it's like to be in a traditional workplace. So um, I think that's up to the companies to figure out what's the best for their for their teams. But that's really how the overpass conversation started. As far as Infuse, that was born through my previous life with the company that I was talking about. We It was Reach Local that's now part of Gannett. And a lot of what I did was help to put all these great digital marketing strategies for small to medium-sized businesses. I did a lot with medical and healthcare. So I had a lot of the big New York hospital systems as my client. And it honestly, it didn't matter if it was a one location business all the way through to the big hospital systems that were running 40 campaigns on a given month. The problem was always the same. They turn on their marketing and there was this huge lag time between marketing and getting those potential new customers to a humanized hello. And we know that's become more complicated because now we're using a multitude of channels on how you know a human communicates. And it's I'm big on saying, let's meet them where they are. That's part of the humanization of all of it. And when I bring up AI, it's never to, because we will have AI in our platform, it's not to dehumanize anything. It's so that we can understand the best way to serve a potential new customers at the highest humanity level possible. Uh, and I think that the last couple of years that's become, it's almost sped up that conversation. It was already trending that way pre-COVID, uh, but COVID accelerated it so that people were just getting exhausted with, with all the digitization and over automation of things. And everyone's almost crying out for a reset to say, I'm a human, this is the way. And it's also not one size fits all either. That's another thing. Even with how we market, the people who are buying are completely different. So Gen Z is going to be a primary buyer in the not too distant future. How they want to communicate is not the way we're communicating today. So these are all the things that I get passionate about when we talk about humanization because we're wired for it. No matter what AI, it doesn't matter. Where as humans, we're wired for specific things. Do you think you, we're maybe over marketing as as a society, as a profession? Because I do my best to ignore most marketing because it's everywhere. And so it's difficult for companies to reach me unless I choose to meet them. Yeah. And more than likely they've met you somewhere where it actually resonates. So they, they were able to clear through the noise because instead of it being self-serving, it was actually speaking to something that could probably serve a pain point for you. But to your point, we've over automated everything and the market was set up that way for the last 10 or 20 years. What's changing now is people are saying, I'm overloaded with the noise and I really want something that's meeting me where I'm at. And that's from the marketing, uh, that's from that first hello, which is easy to ignore because if you don't know, know that the lag time as a business, that as soon as you turn your marketing on, that lag time is actually costing you. And then some of the case studies when we were in market in 2019, it was like a million dollars for a five location business in 90 days, a million by just bridging that gap. And, and, and that was on only two of their channels that was just on text and their Facebook leads. So th they don't know it's there. So if we can fill that gap, I also think of it from a social impact perspective, that's money that's now getting recirculated into community because now they can give an extra contract to maybe a different business or they can hire in a couple new people. So that's the gift that keeps on giving. So that's why I'm super motivated 
in uh, bridging that gap. But you have to be methodical on that whole as a as a founder or in leadership. You have to be almost obsessed with uh, customer experience. And that's from the first hello all the way through to when you acquire them and make that as holistic as possible. One of our overpass partners, she gave some good advice on the last Partner Connect evening we had back in December, which is you should always go back to kind of mapping out that that customer journey. You know, you do it once and, and it's easy to set it and then forget it because there's so many moving parts when you're in leadership or in sales leadership. But it's it's really important because the market changes all the time. What what made sense, what makes sense today may not necessarily make sense six months from now, especially the market we're going into now, which is asking for us to transform, uh, to surrender and accept that whatever we've been doing before no longer is it applies to where we're going next. You hit on something that was really interesting and I had a previous conversation with somebody about this is they mentioned, you know, with, you know, huge layoffs with tech companies and different things. Like you see the smaller ones that start to let people go layoffs, restructure, reorganization, and then it starts to trickle into bigger companies. And eventually when it starts to trickle into bigger companies, then you see the volatility of stock markets, uh, cryptocurrency exchanges, things that are bu building less trustworthy, which is kind of interesting is the kind of pendulum effect of how trust is not being built. And so this kind of goes into the ne this next you know, big overarching question is, you know, what should leadership's first approach be in humanizing the customer experience? Because that seems to be the paramount of making sure that it's going to market, it's going into the community faster, but then it's also how do we communicate this um, quicker, but also making sure that it's not being automated. The one thing that Amazon was built on, and I know people who have worked there that have said without a doubt, this has always been their ethos. Everything was built on what the customer experience would be like, and then it would reverse engineer from there. So the customer was always the North star. And that's a fact. It's not a, it's not, you know, like a make-believe story. It's actually highlighted in, there's a book called the Bezos letters, which the author went through and looked at all of his letters that he would send out to, to the board and to the, to, to the entire team. And there were some common denominators there. This was like the number one, North Star was reverse engineering from customer experience. I think the companies that do it well now are the ones that even with product, they're almost building community around the product on what's going to be released next. They almost not gamify it, but they make it so that the customer feels like they're part of that DNA, that the product becomes more and more what they need. Because as they're saying, hey, on your next release, can you have A, B, and C? Those things are there if that's a common denominator around <clears throat> their customer base. And I think the more you can build community around a brand in general, and there's different ways of doing that outside of the social media way, it's ways like this where it's customer led on releases, um, the better it'll be just all around. You Again, they have to be methodical about putting themselves in their customer shoes at every avenue of their, of their journey. And they have to frequently look at that. It can't just set it and forget it. It has to be something they go back to time and time again. Do you feel with your experience from starting <laughs> all the way to like Gannett with an enterprise company, do you feel like a lot of companies skipped 
in the kind of the revenue operations kind of build outs that they try to skip product led growth in small to medium sized businesses and try to, to leap into account based became too automated with it. And then they're like, you know what, let's go back to product led growth, because a lot of what you're talking about is around community people talking about your product and what's very valuable versus let's skip, you know, a few steps ahead, get as much money as we can and let's just automate everything. Well, yeah, yeah. the last 20 years set it up for it to be that way, right? We had HubSpot, Salesforce come in. So we had that kind of like um, digitization come in to set things up. It was in the control for companies for quite some time. While Why everyone's feeling a little bit disheveled now is that uh, now they're, the fatigue set in after the 20 years where it was sort of like the wild, wild west, but not the wild, wild, like a gold rush where where the businesses had more control, now the automation fatigue has set in and you brought up trust. There's a coin phrase that the gentleman from Partner Hacker, his name is Jared Fuller. The Partner Hacker is like a leading voice for the part, you know, anything related to partnerships. And they put on some great events and he coined the phrase, trust is the new data because there is such a huge lack of it to your point. So the more, and you can only build that through community. So it's a more of a long term play that pays off dividends because it's an ecosystem truly is based on for the good of all, the sum of all parts. And if you can look at it that way, it's been traditionally how business has been run in, in several cultures. It's not a new concept. It's just that it kind of took a back seat because automation allowed for us to get to customers faster the way we wanted to and control how that communication flow was going to go. And now customers are like, not so much. I don't want to send you a request and you get back to me in 48 hours. If you get back to me at all, I want you to meet me where I'm at in any part of that, in any part of that uh, journey. So those are the things I would be definitely focusing on. But no, to your point, that's why you're seeing it reverse now because businesses had so much control. And you're right, they, they dehumanized it for far too long. That's the thing. It seems to me, um, especially not just the whole business in the sense of sales, marketing, and everything else, it feels like the transition like happens quicker in sales and marketing. And then eventually, the the function or the department within the company is HR, like recruiting. They're doing end-to-end -end sales. I think 20 years ago or 30 years ago, the transformation of sales was they had to do everything. Now they've bucketed things. They're using revenue operations for more collaborative and now it's becoming like recruiting side of things. Like we just noticed, you know, Salesforce let go 10% of their Salesforce or literally their Salesforce yesterday. And the ramifications of recruiting HR, trying to find people, trying to scale, quote unquote, in a sense of those interactions with individuals to move them along in um, either for a job or move them along in a product. And so the next question kind of goes down to, and your perspective on this is, how do you scale while making meaningful impacts with overpass, with infuse, with things that you're seeing in kind of our ecosystem now? Um, any knowledge um, drops here that I would love to uh, get your, I think the listeners would really like your perspective on. Well, what I would say is I take myself as an example. I had X amount of years of experience. You know, I had infused in market in 2019, but things there were some fundamental first-time founder app-ups, you know. They do those nights in Europe. They should definitely do them here in the U.S. where people go up and they talk about it. But uh, but 
you, there's a lot of people like me that are now going more towards purpose. They're North Star. They want to work with companies that are in alignment with something bigger than just, you know, trying to be the next Decacorn. I guess it's Decacorn now. I, I lose track of what the what the next. I guess Decacorns are the billion dollar companies, but there might be a new one actually now. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? For a lot of people, that's their goal. But the reality is for a lot of humans that are being laid off, they're now taking a step back, looking at themselves and saying, I want to do something moving forward that's bigger than just, you know, what we think is safety of a, of a W-2. I want to share my, my knowledge base with companies that want to do some level of social impact. So I actually think it's an interesting time to recruit because you could find higher caliber talent that is willing to either go on contract if they believe in the mission and the founders uh, in the company. And I think you also have to think that any traditional way of scaling is changing. And so how can you create, there's different ways to look at it. How can you create a expansive fluid team that can expand when it needs to expand or come in a little bit when you need it to? That's one way to look at it. Or there's a company, I don't, I can't, their name escapes me right now, but one of our partners was talking to me about it that literally put together a dream team. So they they said, okay, less is more. What if we took like five people that were like uh, an example of like, say the Navy SEALs for scale up and utilize that experience. And that's our team. That's how we go to market. That's how we grow. And they're actually, their growth has been crazy the last uh, couple years. So I think the market is is wide open. It's just the way you want to look at it. If you want, if you want to look at it closed-minded that it has to stay this way, then you know you're gonna have a rough ride. If you're willing to to be open to it, that hey, I might have a hybrid team, or hey, 90 percent of my team may be remote, or I just want to get experience X for this. The opportunities are endless to alchemize the right formula for you. And that's the way to look at it is not to fall into the pressure, especially for startup founders of it only has to be this way. The reality is it doesn't. I really like that. Um, so for the listeners out there and Tanya, this is uh, no more grilling questions here. Uh, this is more <laughs> so of like, if you want to go deeper into like share your story in the sense that, you know, one thing I, I kind of remembered back here that you've, you've mentioned is, you know, I wrote it down here is you, you did quote unquote, like if we had to do a video, it'd be safety of a W2 or, you know, <laughs> kind of what, what kind of what you've learned in the sense of, you know, in the sense of your, the learning in, and with infuse back in 2019 or anything that you have, you talked about a really beautiful mindset in the sense of, uh, the market is wide open and you can you can close your mind off in certain ways rather than looking at the pivot of the full story. And so this is about sharing your story of what you've experienced, what you're kind of seeing um, what in relation to your life and just kind of sharing with other people, because I feel like it would really resonate with um, a lot of people. Just my story in general. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. One of the things I've I've learned is. It's, it's really, you know, we hear these, these statements of it's, it's inner it's an inner journey more than the outer, the outer one. The one thing I learned with my failure with infuse, which I think is critical because a lot of founders make this mistake, but they, again, we don't talk about it. So, you know, it feels isolating like, oh, I'm the only person who created this, this mistake. 
is we sometimes build off a of scarcity. When you look at a lot of startup founders, it's already a scarcity mindset from day one, right? How am I going to get the funding? How am I going to create miracles on a, on a short budget? We even do it with our teams because Silicon Valley will tell us, well, the team pedigree is everything. And if you're not whole as a person and you're going into that scarcity sort of landscape, what it does is it magnetizes in, and this is not woohoo, this is just a fact. You're going to magnetize in what you're energetically putting out. So in my case, I felt like I had to window dress based on what Silicon Valley wanted, you know, uh, certain co-founders that had sold a company to, to Google. And, you know, this one was a top VC for something else, a European VC. And at the end of the day, it became my Achilles heel. I did that more based on the fact that I felt like I, me myself as a founder was not, not enough. Not to say that you don't need a team, just how you're sourcing them has to be from solid uh, foundation. And those mistakes on the founding team level are, uh, mission critical, because if you don't have the right team, when things start getting tough, which they will at the uh, beginning stages, that's where it all starts going south. So my biggest mistake was there, was building it on lack. Uh, and you could use that formula on any part of lack when you're in that startup journey. So, you know, who you're going to pick for your founding team is like a marriage. And you really need to know who they are character wise. Uh, otherwise, you can find yourself in a kind of a bit of a situation, especially when you're giving away part parts of your company. It can also take you off if there's a certain social impact. And I believe any company can have a layer of impact intentionally built in to your roadmap. It can take it completely off and then it becomes transactional. So I needed to go through that experience to also reset and really go back to heart as to why I was building the company in the first place. And I will share a personal story since we're going there. What I did discover is, is that I had time to team up with a mentor after that. I use air quotes failures because we know they're never, they're ne never failures uh, and, and they're meant to be shared, was I realized that the reason why I wanted to build this company in the first place had zero to do, even though, yes, it's a mission critical uh, business problem that, that I get to solve and nerd out based on my experience. But it had everything to do with an experience with my mom when I was growing up. She was a single mother. We were living below the poverty line. I ended up getting sick and she didn't have insurance. So we had to go to a free clinic. And I remember the exchange like it was yesterday that when my mom went up to go up to the counter, to, you know, when they called her forward, the woman like treated her with such like it was so not humanized that I saw my mother's body like uh, bend over. And, you know, as a child, when you experience that, I mean, I get a little teary talking about it. When you see your parents' body language come in, you know enough that it's that it doesn't feel right, but you're still too young to be able to defend the person you love. So I think that's the fuel, but it took that failure and then really going back to heart to really to really connect with why it was important. And of course, it just surfaced in a different way. And had I not taken that time to really connect with that, that would have been lost in in, in a future, this future, uh, this current rebirth, which I feel is more relevant now than it was actually in in 2019. So yeah. 
Tanya, thank thank you for sharing that. I, I I appreciate your vulnerability. I think the first like our first conversation right out of the gate on the Lunch Club app was your, your sense of vulnerability and your sense to connect to other people. And I and I don't know why people don't talk more about this in the sense of I really loved your human aspect of you. I visualized what happened to your mom. Like that is that is a very much a traumatic event in the sense that you know you see this person as your hero and then all of a sudden something happens and it changes because they feel defeated. They, they're yeah. something that's out of their control. And so I really, I really appreciate that. I've, that now I know more about you and I hope the listeners know more about you because it's a very beautiful thing that you are creating out of something that you saw that you were able to help as a child. Like I've done, I've gone through, we've all gone through some stuff as child children of noticing things, but we don't necessarily know how to enact or take action on things or to support. And so I really, I really appreciate you sharing that. I got a little teary eyed too. <laughs> um, so this part of the episode is, is about you in the sense of, and, and it's a culmination of your work, hobby and health is kind of the, the different things. And so we just love to your perspective. You've, you've hint on a few things um, throughout this, this interview, but really would love to kind of cement this part of the episode, just to kind of focus in on that. Yeah, I really believe that uh, self-development is extremely important, whether that's through education, but also having rituals that, and that's again, not one size fits all that works for you, that 15 minutes at the beginning of the day or night, whatever that is, whether it's prayer for you, whether it's meditation, whether it's taking a walk in nature, whether it's just sitting in the quiet of a special room that you have set up for that, whether it's journaling, uh, you know, a little bit of breath work. I think all of that stuff is important because to your point, you know, we're, anything we do is an extension of us. And in order for us to serve at our highest potentiality, we have to be whole, our cup has to be full on our side, right? Because science shows everything is an energy exchange. The human connection is extremely powerful. And at the end of the day, I know a lot of people that are into sequences and everything, it is a very human experience. The more you can go straight to heart, there is no sale. There is no sales cycle because you're connecting with the need of the other human on the other side. I can't like emphasize that enough. We're overcomplicating things in today's uh, market. And that's why the reset is uh, coming forth. So I'm really big on that. As far as hobbies, I love to write, but I'm also a huge history nerd. I love to travel because I'm very much into human connection. And I love seeing the correlations between why things are the way they are today and what in history brought that into, um, you know, when I was in Mexico, seeing some of the, the Mayan language still being very much alive, but just in the symbolism and everything, how it existed in today's uh, society and where, where it came from. So I'm very much into like that, like human connection and learning about history, very partial for some reason to the late 1800s into the 1930s and just the evolving of of history there and, and the studying of generational archetypes that tend to repeat over history. So things like that. I'm a bit of a nerd. <laughs> you know what? There's nothing wrong being a nerd. I was voted biggest nerd um, in my <laughs> high school class and I was totally offended by it, but that was when nerds <laughs> weren't cool. So now nerds are cool. So I appreciate, appreciate you nerding out, um, talking about partnerships, you know, talking about human, I think even deeper than the partnership side is humanizing and the connections and even in your insights on 
you know, magnetizing and, and being reciprocal to what you want and being the founder in that, se in that sense of, if, of finding that and finding the right people and, and finding the misalignments of what happened and learning from those and readjusting things as well as just your own, you know, personal story about, you know, your, your mom. And it was just a beautiful culmination of who you are as well as, you know, you know, throughout this whole episode, you really talked about the about you in the sense of this is what you do and this is what you have manifest and you're manifesting. So, Tanya, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you for the opportunity to share my story. I really appreciate it. And Eric, thank you for being on too and asking a very insightful um, question. Love it. Now you're getting your feet wet. And to all the yep. Converge Coffees drinkers out there, that's a wrap. <laughs>